The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. The Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a great program, as we always do. We're glad that you're listening. We know we've got listeners across the United States and across the world, and we're delighted to have you all tuning in. We love getting your comments on Facebook. We love getting emails from you. And I want to thank you very much for participating here in our Spirit of Recovery community. You can find us on Facebook at the Spirit of Recovery uh, site, and we'd love you to post on our wall. And also, I want to thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your spiritual community know about the Spirit of Recovery. I am Deeply grateful to be able to broadcast on the topic of recovery here on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. And it's great to know that you are enjoying the guests that we're bringing and that you are getting a lot from what they're saying. We do have excellent guests. There are always people who are either in recovery themselves, who work with recovering people, or write for recovering people in a variety of ways, or sometimes all three. And they always have practical information to share with you, down-to-earth information. They are people who are really putting these principles into practice in their lives and using them in the way that they interact with others. And so... I'm delighted to know that all of you are benefiting from our guests. I want you to know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live. You can listen um, an archived programs through your computer. You can listen through your smartphone. So know that wherever you go, the Spirit of Recovery is right there with you, easily accessible. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member um, who's in your own recovery as a family member, or you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are actively involved in a recovery program, or you're simply curious, interested in the process of recovery, we want you to know that you are so welcome here. We're very glad you're listening with us, glad you're part of our community, and glad to have you participate in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister, and I'm also an Addictions Counselor. In addition to that, I'm a person who has, in my own circle of love and friendship, many people with the disease of addiction. And so, uh, 31 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth, recovery, and spiritual development. And my walk is an integration of unity principles, recovery principles. And it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me transforming. It keeps me getting into a closer walk with my higher power and uh, calls me to understand my life um, in deeper ways. So I'm very grateful Again, to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, to share these wonderful guests with you, and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality 
and in your recovery walk if you're on that walk. Today, our topic is journey to the center of the self. And we know that a spirituality is really about waking up to yourself at deeper and deeper levels and discovering uh, who you are, that you're connected to a loving and nurturing power that is a part of you, that's beyond you. We, we conceive it in many different ways. We also know that waking up to ourselves means our willingness to face and resolve hurts and defenses that have kept us from being conscious, that have kept us asleep. And we uh, know that waking up to ourselves means that we want to encourage our precious and creative self. Today, my guest um, is going to have a lot to share with us on this topic. Her name is Carol Brown, and Carol has for over 30 years been working to help people advance and enhance their recoveries. Carol is a licensed chemical dependency counselor. She has um, been in successful practice with that, again, for over 30 years. And her focus is on helping clients take the healthiest and best possible care of themselves and freeing them to live more fulfilling and joyful lives. As a part of what Carol does with clients, she also utilizes uh, service dogs and dog-assisted therapy, and she's going to be sharing with us about that today as well. So, Carol, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. I'm so excited to be with you and your listeners today, and we'll see what kind of an adventure we have today. Yes, indeed. We're we're going on an adventure. Now, uh, Carol, I know that you are a person who really believes in the power of nurturing the self and that that's a key component of recovery. How did you come to that idea? So in my own recovery, and I, like you, uh, am well-versed through my own experience of recovery, about the dynamics of all this, and my seed idea came, oh, in the mid-70s, and I was in uh, the lobby of a treatment center in a larger town than what I was living in, in Illinois, and I was looking for some counseling for myself at that time, and uh, particularly for the family illness of alcoholism, since my own family is awash with alcoholism, and I looked at the alcoholic clients going from one session to another and I was in very early recovery for my family illness myself and the seed idea came to me well if this is an equal illness both alcoholism itself and addiction itself and the family illness where's the equal care and that was my beginning idea and and a few years later that began to have fruition it was the way my life was structured at the time had nothing to do with any of that, but it's just one of those things that God takes and runs with. So that was my initial thing. Right. And how do you, how um, can family members get equal care? It's accurate that, that a lot of times, even today, when there's been so much, um, sometimes family members fall between the cracks. What's unique, I guess, about the family illness? Well, it's. let me draw you a little outline that I think will help. I'll draw you kind of a verbal picture of that to answer that question about how the whole thing's about. about. So something painful happens in a family. Let's say there is addiction in a family or another serious something that happens, a historical event like a war or a recession or there's a death or a divorce or something that's very painful that family and because of that the members of the family develop ways to cope with what's going on to get through that difficult time and what sometimes happens and what always happens in an addicted family is that those coping mechanisms become fixed they become stuck and what was supposed to be a stopgap measure which the event passed, which of course in addiction it doesn't, which is a good reason why it becomes stuck. But anyway, the flexibility is gone, and and those stopgap measures are no longer appropriate as time goes on. And 
those coping mechanisms and those ways of being in those pain-loaded families get passed from generation to generation. And a lot of the times those coping mechanisms are pretty backwards in terms of living life successfully anyhow. Um, And in the midst of all that, we seek ways to relieve the pain, medicators of some kind. Certainly there are substances themselves or other behaviors or relationships or food or sex or money or work or gambling. As we all know, there's this long list. And that would all be fine because those things all help, except that the pain relievers become fixed and stuck and jammed up and providing no choice anymore, and they become causers of the pain instead of helpers with the pain. And so that's what happens in an addicted family, that everybody is stuck in these ways of coping, one of which is a severe separation from self, which I'll talk about in more detail. But I just wanted to answer that that question about what's the deal with families anyway. So does that kind of begin the discussion here? Absolutely, yeah. So what you're telling us is that everybody in, in when there's addiction, even though sometimes it seems like the person that has that substance addiction may be kind of looming large in everybody's minds, because as we all certainly know that uh, that addiction creates a lot of drama around it and so forth. But really, the whole family is stuck. The whole family is it's almost like they're just twisted up somehow in this. And every part of their person also, and the, the really goofy thing that happens is because everybody in the family lovingly and caringly is trying to somehow fix this pain, the direction of attention gets to be outward for everyone. And that's where the separation begins. And so everybody's looking at somebody else And kind of the message throughout the family is, never mind about you. Never mind about who you really are. Never mind about what you feel and what you really think. We're all going to pretend in this family, and we're all going to be focused on something or somebody else. And so everybody in the family, from from the addict to every other member, and of course, as we know now, we used to kind of focus on there's one addict and everybody else around them. And so now when we really look at it, everybody in the family is medicating with something. Um, So it's just way more complicated than we used to look at it. And so there's this idea and this kind of cellular thing that happens where people are separated from their real selves. And one of the ways I talk about it is addiction teaches life absolutely backwards. Absolutely backwards. And so what recovery is about and long-term recovery is about is long-term ever-deepening layers of forming a self and forming a connection with self that maybe was never there. And, And to reverse that dying of the soul that happens when that extreme pain is going on. So that's what's exciting to me. Um, one little graph that you might think about is often in families of addiction or some other kind of serious pain, it looks like it's a minus 10 to a positive 10 if you think of that vertical scale. And so the, so minus 10 is all the pain the family's in as the, as the addiction and the family illness spreads and gets worse and goes on generationally. So we start at a minus 10. And then people are seeking an absence of pain. Well, an absence of pain only gets you up to zero. So what excites me, even after all these years of working with this, both myself personally and with other people, is, oh, no, we're way beyond that now. We want to go to a positive 10. We want to go from that survival state at the minus 10 to a thriving place. And that's an ongoing thing. Um, and it's largely through experience, and that's what I'm, what I'm so delighted with, is being with people and experiencing with them the opposite of what was so painful, and that's what's healing, giving people toys and tools 
that helped them reverse that whole backwards business about how we were coping and how we were trying to heal from all the pain. And that is way big fun. Give us an example of how you do that. Well, you made me think of the dogs right away specifically. Um, But let me talk about it in more general terms. So somebody back in the 70s coined the term corrective emotional experience. And so when people are seeking their help systems, and it's so nice to know that there are many these days. Your guest last week, William White, was talking about how the systems of help are expanding um, beyond the 12-step groups, which are so fabulous, into other things as well. So that was real exciting to hear about. Um, So help systems are all based on some similar notions or... I would suggest to your listeners that when they're looking for a help system of any kind, to look for something that has information to add to what you've already got that can give you some clarity for what you want. Safety is paramount. So that's what brings in this idea of corrective emotional experience. If I'm at a 12-step or if I'm with a therapist or if I'm in a treatment center, which are the three primary things that we're talking about to arrest addiction or the family illness. There's a specificity to it. In any of those places or everywhere in my life, when I'm seeking friendships, my work situation, what I'm doing socially, I'm looking for experiences that make me feel good. That, and so in a therapeutic sense, a corrective emotional experience is one in your health system that's the opposite of the one that caused you pain. So, for instance, uh, when a person comes for an appointment, they come into just specifically one way to do it is um, they come into a comfortable setting. Uh, in my practice, as you were referring to, there are these two golden retriever service dogs who are very people-oriented My dogs were originally trained out of a foundation in Arizona whose focus is uh, healing and helping um, autistic children. And so these dogs didn't happen to go to families. They stayed with me, and so now they work in my private practice. And so anything that produces comfort and safety, I believe, will generate that connection inside with the clearest, knowingest part of ourselves. I believe people have a lot of their own answers, but they can't access them coming out of this goofy coping thing that we learned in pain-loaded families about being so separated from self. So a very comfortable setting is, is what I, I suggest that people look for um, to reverse that whole separate-from-self process. So that's the beginning answer to that question. Right. How does a person uh, tell if a situation, a therapeutic situation or a friendship situation is truly safe for them? So here, that's a nice segue into another thing I wanted to talk about in some detail. One of the things that intrigues me so much is how various disciplines are merging in just unexpected ways. And so one of the things I ran across was um, how developmental theory meets recovery. And so okay, hold that thought. Devel- it's, time, it's time for our break. That's a great thought. We'll come back to that. Listeners, stay with us. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be back and talk about how do we know when situations are really safe. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you.
Jenny is looking for an adventure. I love new cities. The culture, the architecture, the food. Joy prefers a little R&R. Just give me a book and cozy chair along the ocean. And maybe a massage or spa treatment. Both are spiritually minded. The cave temples in Sri Lanka sound amazing. What a life-changing experience. Studying Eastern spirituality, going right to the source. It's the journey of a lifetime. Both Jenny and Joy will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th to May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spirit of the East. turning five this year and we're throwing the biggest bash of all a cruise to the caribbean november 10 through 17 2012 we'll celebrate in style aboard holland america lines eurodam with sunshine fine dining and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the eastern caribbean plus feed your spirit with music message and meditation Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Jenny is looking for an adventure. I love new cities. The culture, the architecture, the food. Joy prefers a little R&R. Just give me a book and cozy chair along the ocean. And maybe a massage or spa treatment. Both are spiritually minded. The cave temples in Sri Lanka sound amazing. What a life-changing experience. Studying Eastern spirituality, going right to the source. It's the journey of a lifetime. Both Jenny and Joy will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th to May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spirit of the East. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Journey to the Center of the Self. And my guest is Carol Brown. Carol is a substance abuse counselor. She's been in practice for over 30 years, working to help people advance and enhance their recoveries. And her focus is on helping clients take the healthiest and best care of themselves that's possible. She also uh, works with the assistance of therapy dogs sometimes, and she's uh, telling us about that a a bit. We know that 
spirituality is about waking up to ourselves at deeper levels. And so Carol is sharing with us today about how we do that, how we face those ways that we have used to keep the pain at bay and let those go so that we can have some real living and some real spirituality. If you're interested in learning more about uh, Carol's work, you can look at her website. It's www.carolbrown, and that's brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, abetterway.com. carolbrownabetterway.com, and brown has an E on the end of it. Before Carol and I get back to our conversation, I invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, a brief moment where we relax, where we open up our minds, allow our hearts to open up, and receive that love that is the love within us and all around us, that love that is the rock bottom of this wonderful world that we live in. So I invite you to relax and share with me this constructive idea. I let the nurturing love of my higher power fill me. And surround me, lifting me up. I let the nurturing love of my higher power fill me and surround me, nurturing me and lifting me up. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. So now we're back with my guest, Carol Brown. And Carol, before the break, you were talking with us about um, how a person can really know that a situation is safe. That uh, kind of, in in some sense, that people that have the disease of addiction and family members uh, uh, from families where that disease is there are kind of notorious for trusting people they shouldn't trust and not trusting people that are trustworthy. And part of recovery, that corrective experience you're talking about is is reversing that, is learning how to trust trustworthy people and put some distance uh, between ourselves and those that just really aren't able to, to be very trustworthy at this moment. So how do we do that? You were talking about developmental theory and giving us some ideas. Um, first of all, I want to tell you how much I enjoyed that serenity minute. I really like that. Thank you. You're well, welcome. I, I could participate in that too. So I'm going to give you a little laundry list um, that comes out of developmental theorists who are talking about people having tasks at various life stages, Uh, tasks like learning to connect or learning that life is safe and will respond to me or learning to trust or learning that I matter and that my needs count. And so what I'm listening to there is the first stage of development when when we're absolutely young babies and also throughout every few years those tasks repeat and times when they repeat are when we're tired or hurt or vulnerable or sick or in periods of rapid change or growth or when we have a loss or when we have stress or when we're just beginning something So when you look at it that way, when aren't we engaged in that task? Well, these developmental theorists said in order to meet the tasks, there have to be certain ingredients present. So in order for me to have genuine trust and in order for me to know I'm okay in my world and I'm safe where I am and in order for me to feel good about myself and in order for me to connect, I need these ingredients. So here's the laundry list. Here's what I want to be looking for, first of all, in my relationship with myself. Do I treat myself that way? What's my, here's a guideline for my self-connection. Then with others, um, in my friendships, in my work situations, in my support community, um, in my churches, wherever I am, are these ingredients present? First starting from me to me and then outwardly. Or when I'm forming a new concept of what my higher power is, what my God concept is, or whatever that is for me. Here's four handy little laundry list ingredients that are nice to go by. Um, And I'll be happy to email that to you if it's something that you'd like to have, I'm saying to your listeners. So number one is is a loving response. So 
And what I'm deciding to do, first of all, from me to me, if I'm deciding I'm going to get up today and I'm going to um, go exercise at the gym, is that and is that a loving response to who I am at that moment? And is it, is it the number two thing? Is is it attentive to what I need? So one of the problems that comes in the self-connection and in connection with everything and everybody else coming out of painful situations is, boy, howdy, have we lost our reality about energy and time. My opinion is, I think as a society, everybody gets up in the morning and thinks we're going to live 72 hours in the next 24. You know, nobody's in touch with the reality of time. And I certainly haven't been in reality in how uh, much energy I have on a given day. So, for instance, I get up that morning, I'm going to take myself off to the gym, but I haven't slept well the night before, and I'm going to skip breakfast. And that's not a loving response or an attentive action toward myself. So the loving response would be, go, you know, maybe I'm going to go to the gym later, and I'm going to get some more rest this morning, and for sure I'm going to have breakfast first. Those kinds of things. So... In your work situation, is there attention paid to who you genuinely are? Or are you in another system that's basically saying, nuts to you, you just be what we need? Or in this friendship, is there a mutuality to it? Or does it seem like I'm really there for the other person, but they aren't particularly available to me? And that's another thing to look for is availability. Is the person in touch with themselves so that they can be in touch with you too? So then the other two things on that list of, about how am I, if I'm trying to put myself in good situations with myself and others, we've got a loving response, we've got attention, actual action. Now I'm going to be conscious about what's safe and comfortable for me and what's not. And that consciousness, when we come out of pain-loaded situations, that comes to, that addresses what you were talking about, Anna, about, my goodness, we put ourselves in terrible places because we've been so taught to ignore ourselves. So it's reversing that process about, well, let me think about that. Is this a safe and comfortable, what is, why don't I just make this little list for myself about, I know I'm safe and comfortable when, like in my case, I'm safe and comfortable um, in quiet more than a bunch of hubbub. I'm safe and comfortable with um, people who have some compassion and some acceptance and when they're fun. You know, just make up that list for yourself and see what comes out for you. That's a nice way to reverse that process. Mm-hmm. And then all kinds of affirmations are absolutely a wonderful tool for seeking that connection with self and reversing the self-neglecting and the self-abusive things, really, that we do to ourselves coming out of the training of pain. So that, thank you for letting me share my little outline there. That was something I particularly wanted to do today. That's great. And I believe if people would like a copy of that outline, they can go to your website and click on the email carol and that you can email them that. Is that correct? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to do that. Yeah. Great. Okay. And again, it's Carol Brown, and Brown has an E at the end, carolbrownabetterway.com. So if you'd like a copy of that checklist about how to know when you're safe and, and so forth, you can do that and, and email Carol, and she'll send it to you. You know, Carol, when you were talking, one thing that struck me is that all of those things that you listed really require, and it's just wonderful, that the, we have to take some time to think about ourselves, to think about what do I need, what, where do I feel safe. Isn't, isn't that the truth? And the idea of selfishness has gotten a bad rap, again, largely coming out of that backwardsness of pain-loaded situations. If, if I am truly attentive to myself with my time and with my energy, then 
I form this whole self that's happy and healthy, and then I have something to genuinely give to you. But it gets so backwards because we're so distracted and we're so out there and not connected with self and not really having permission or encouragement or validation to connect with self. And so we're kind of trying to shortcut that whole process. Um, We're all interested in being healthy and being better, but it's an idea about starting with that first step. And when I was talking before about looking for the ingredients of information and safety, the other ingredient in that little laundry list is people to identify with. Oh, that is so rich and it's so necessary. And what happens energetically out of that is just magic. So, for instance, and it's no accident that in 12-step programs, the first word of the very first step of that 12-step recovery program is we. Or in anything that you're looking at in spirituality, it's about community. I was interested, too, when I was reading recently about people who are experts in the field of healthy longevity. They talk about community and they talk about connection. And those two things are so wonderful. And it's such a, such a huge ingredient of getting to that plus 10 of thriving about when we're together in whatever situation that is, when you're with people who are safe for you and who are trying to be connected with themselves too, there's this alchemy that happens energetically that helps us both access the clarity of our intuitive selves. And that connection is absolutely wonderful. And what keeps me excited and enthusiastic about this whole process after such a long time, both for myself personally and for other people. Mm -hmm. One thing that uh, getting connected with that self also asks of us is that if there are addictions beyond the first one that got a person into the recovery process that, well, that's got to be faced too. What's that like when it seems like there are multiple layers or ways that people have, you know, that that they've got this disease of addiction and, and I'm including with that that family illness of being enmeshed with, with someone? What's that about? <laughs> Boy, you hit the mother load there. I love that question because it certainly pertains to me. Um, so I began my own recovery. Um, oh, let's see, 37 years ago, something like that, 36 or 37 years ago, by being introduced for recovery for the family illness. And at that time, coming out of my family, um, we looked pretty good, but boy, were we suffering. Um, And so I had maintained this big facade for a really long time, but that was cracking, and I was really frightened by that. I couldn't maintain my big act anymore. And so I got into family recovery. And then a couple of years after that, which was so timely in my case, because um, I, at that point I had no idea, I really did not know, that I had my own alcoholism to deal with. I was so focused on all the alcoholics in my family. Um, and I wasn't as visible as they were. And I certainly was terrified. I didn't want to become like my mother. And so after being introduced to recovery for a couple of years and being able to see that people did recover from the the family illness and from addiction, which I had just never been exposed to, then when a recovery therapist suggested to me that even though I wasn't drinking at the time, I had my own alcoholism to deal with, and she suggested about what I could do about that, then I wasn't so afraid anymore. So that was my first layer. And one thing I notice just about those two facets right there um, is there's a specificity to it. So here I was actively involved in recovery from the family illness, and the recovery from my alcoholism looked a lot the same. 
But in my case, this isn't true for everyone, but it was for me. I needed to be in recovery places that addressed both of those specifically. And then in my case, years and years later, really only two and a half years ago, I found that I really needed specific help dealing with my food addiction. Um, and so here, here I'd been in this really active recovery all that time and certainly being a professional in the field. And yet I couldn't make that connection for myself that I needed very specific help for my food addiction. And that's one of the amazing things with this layering thing, that it's that connection self to self that the body part of the addiction makes impossible to make that mental connection and keeps us away from getting well. And and so I've noticed, for instance, that people in active recovery from alcoholism or another uh, substance or behavior addiction will get kind of miserable after a while. Well, maybe that's because their family illness hasn't been treated. Or maybe there's Hang on another there. It's time We'll come right back. We're we're going to be right back with that. Listeners, hang in there, and I know you want to hear how this works, so stay with us. We're going to, my guest Carol Brown and I are going to be back talking about Journey to the Center of the Self. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life. This love, God's love, is within us all. Spirit needs no books or rituals, wealth or architecture to reveal itself. It is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space. I am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever I am, God is. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word digital magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for Everyday Attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery@unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Journey to the Center of the Self. And we're looking at how spirituality is about waking up to ourselves at ever deeper levels, at peeling um, those layers off until we're finding that nurturing sense of self and that nurturing connection with our higher power. My guest is Carol Brown. Carol um, is 
a recovery counselor. She's been working with clients for over 30 years, and her goal is to help people move from just sort of surviving to really thriving and enjoying their lives. And uh, Carol's also sharing with us about her own recovery. You can learn more about Carol's work at her website, carolbrownabetterway.com, and that's Carol Brown, and Brown has an E on the end, a better way. Com. So, Carol, before the break, you were talking with us about uh, those multiple layers and when a person's been in recovery and yet there may be another addiction to face. And you were talking about that connection with the self and how uh, the actual physical aspect of addiction can block us out. So tell us more about that. So, thank you. One way to think about it is to picture a circle and have your circle in your mind have six pie pieces in it. And those pie pieces represent um, energy levels or energy aspects that we all operate from. So everybody's got a feeling life, and everybody has a mental life, and everybody has a physical part of themselves and a social part of themselves which helps you have a relationship and a spiritual part about your value system and a part that relates to choice. Well, as addiction happens and as the family illness happens, those life strengths, those life energies deplete. It's like pulling the plug in the bathtub. That describes the progression of the illness very well. And what's left isn't working right. And so... That describes what happened to me, and I love the notion that came early on in recovery that we're able to show in brain chemistry today um, that addiction really is a bodily allergy. That Addicted people have bodies that are abnormal compared to most folks. And so what happens in the body of an addict whatever the substance or behavior, and that's fascinating now because the brain works the same, whether it's something like gambling or shopping or whether it's something like alcohol or drugs. What happens in the brain is the same. And what happens is because my brain acts differently in that regard, I begin to form a very important relationship with that substance or that behavior. And that, in turn, in order to keep that relationship that's demanded by the body, that has to change the way I think. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying these connections don't get met. And so my personal example was, here I am in active recovery in two areas for all these years. And, of course, you know, I'm trotting along, the world's greatest counselor, um, And yet I cannot make that connection in my own head about I have a problem with food that needs treating. I could see that I was off the rails, and what my symptoms were was I was absolutely a junk food junkie. I couldn't, my body demanded it such that I couldn't not buy it, and I couldn't not eat it, and I would have this terrible cycle every day where there were times in my life where I would literally eat myself sick. Usually after supper, I'd eat a pretty healthy dinner and then like, let's get to the good stuff. And I would eat myself literally sick, physically painfully sick, promise myself I wouldn't do it again. And the next day I couldn't not do it. And the only explanation I have that makes any sense to me in my life, given all the motivation I would have to get well, was my body is so goofy that it changes the way my mind works. And now we get to the we. When I got myself in the proper places where people were actively, specifically recovering from food addiction in a very spiritual way, then I could get well too. And sometimes this layering takes many, many years, and that was certainly my case. What's that like when, as you're saying, you've been in recovery for a lot of years, you're even a professional in the field, and and then you realize, oh my, uh, I need to deal with the food. Were you happy? Were you depressed? Were you like, you've got to be kidding me, or all the above, or something else? Well, 
I love that question a lot because I was so surprised at what happened to me. What I would have expected for myself when I had that moment of clarity, as people in recovery are want to say, um, I would have expected for myself that I would feel deeply ashamed and stupid and embarrassed and very self-critical about what is the matter with you. And I didn't feel any of those things. What I felt was relief. Oh, it's finally my time. It's my time. The higher power of my understanding tapped me on the shoulder and said, it's your time. And so I was very relieved about that. And that was totally unexpected to me. And that spoke to the recovery that I had already had. Um, I really had had major life changes in those other areas, which took away a lot of the shame, which helped me understand that it really is an illness and not something willful or stupid that people do. It's something that people are afflicted with. And so finally, you know, the ball dropped and it was my time to make that particular connection. And also what I want to say real quickly, too, is I want to talk about um, aging, not only aging literally, but aging in recovery, and that these recovery systems are so good that they match us as we get deeper and clearer and more self-connected and more healthy. These recovery systems that people that are so good, the 12-step recoveries and the other ones that are now popping up, are so good in matching us where we are. We're not the same people as when we walked into that first door, um, that first help system, that first treatment center, that first uh, counselor, that first 12-step program. We're different now. And these same help systems have grown over time too so that they match us where we are. And that so delights me. Give us an example of that. How, how, have they, how do they match us? Mm, so when I go to my help systems now, um, I'm just as fed, I'm just as nurtured, I get just as many ahas in my own psyche, in my own self, even though I'm so much more self-connected than I was all those years ago. The dynamic of those help systems, and particularly the we, we can do together what I can't do alone, and the fact that those help systems change me in every way. They make me feel better emotionally. They clarify my thinking. There's research that shows they even produce physical changes. Like if I go to these help places, it creates endorphins in my body. Um, it improves my relationships, it gives me more choices, it helps me live according to my own values, and it does that in a way that matches me now. The dynamic of how those health systems are formed do all that. Um, It reminds me again of your speaker last week. William White was talking about what helps those 12-step programs survive is the traditions that keeps the group in place and flourishing. And it's such a spiritual system. Um, And just as the 12 steps help people individually. So that's one example of one help system. And treatment centers and counselors and individuals that we seek out and churches and all those things that we do for our whole person wellness, if they're really healthy, they match us where we are. That's great. It's like, almost what you said when we first started our interview today is that that corrective experience that if we can learn to connect up with with help systems with communities where we have the chance to to be a self then that is part of the process of recovery absolutely and that that popped a thought for me too about when we're talking uh because i'm a i'm a great supporter of 12-step groups the best place in the world, in my opinion, only my opinion, um, to find that really excellent connection with self and how to learn those skills of self-connection and self-nurture and consciousness of self, a great, great tool for that is Al-Anon family groups. That's what they're for. So I recommend that. 
right? And if yeah. people are, how can people find a, an Al-Anon family group uh, place meeting if they want one? In your phone book. In your if phone you book. look All under, right. yeah, yeah, alcoholism uh, treatment, you'll find Al-Anon groups there. Um, do we have a couple of minutes left? How are we doing? We've got about one minute left. One minute left. Yes. What words of wisdom would you share with us as we wrap this up? You've given us so much today, Carol. Um, The idea about seeking help. These diseases are so isolating, and the number one symptom is I'll do it myself. Thank you. So to reverse that and go, I deserve to have all the help there is, and boy, is it out there. I deserve that. Let me go seek it out for myself. And, and let me think about it from the basis of being, is this attentive to what I need? Is it lovingly responsive? Is it affirming to me? Is it protection for me? And those are good guidelines for any help that you seek. And go get some. You deserve it. Carol, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing about your journey to the center of yourself and also how you really are a great help and have been for over 30 years to other people that are journeying to that self-connection and connection to that higher power. Again, thank you for all that you've shared with us today. And uh, listeners, thank you for being with us. God bless. Have a wonderful week. And we'll be uh, see you again next week here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy wholeness and expansiveness designed into every moment and the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us once we see what is possible our lives then begin to change this meditative moment is brought to you by unity
Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.